Hey everybody and welcome to the Furnace Podcast. You are about to listen to a recording from our Behold Conference hosted here in Tauranga, New Zealand with the heart to call the body of Christ to give Jesus our undivided attention so that we can understand what is His heart for the time of history that we're in. We hope that you enjoy. Father, I just thank you for Dwayne tonight. Would you just speak through him? God, as the church, we just open up our hearts to receive your word. God, we thank you. There's times that you bring people in from outside to speak to us. And God, I just believe that tonight is one of those nights that you want to release a word to us as a church that's catalytic and pivotal in our future as the city. God, we thank you for your word tonight. Let it penetrate our hearts. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. 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 Thank you. Thank you for <laughs> that introduction. Hopefully some of it's true. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Um, I just want to say I'm really encouraged tonight. Appreciated Dave Cole's word about faith. Faith would be stirred. And just my time here has been very enriching. Um, you guys have worked me hard, man. By the time I'm done, it'll be 16 sessions. I'm like, whoa. But it's been actually incredible for my own just spirit. I'm, I'm actually probably going to leave refreshed. Just my, my heart, the Lord's been talking to me personally. It's been very, very rich. I've been greatly encouraged, actually. And so my heart tonight is to encourage you. Is actually, I love that word, it's to give you courage. And 2020 was just an interesting year. covid and I'm, I'm pretty, pretty, pretty strong in my, my perspective is that, you know, <clears throat> it was a, a road bump. Nothing surprises the eternal. And most of the earth was surprised. But God, his eyes are upon the nations. And I think there's disruptions that God, who, he brings it, he allows it. I don't want to get in that conversation but it disrupts us. And there was a massive disruption. Touched every sphere of society and culture. Economics, the church, sports, entertainment, everything was disrupted. And I'm telling you, it was a difficult season. I was pastoring, my gosh, I barely walked out of it alive. There's pastors in this room. We're going to end by praying for our pastors tonight. I want to encourage you. I want to speak courage. We've been on an intense journey, and there's purpose in the journey. But I, I want to remind you of a couple different themes that are found in the scriptures. And so I have a lot on my heart, and I'm hoping I can tie it all together and land it properly tonight. But I think it's just fascinating that truly this city 1,614 kilometers from Jerusalem. Of cities over 100,000, this is the farthest city from Jerusalem. And there's a, a, verse, a couple of verses in Isaiah. Isaiah 24, it's a tense chapter. But verse 15, Therefore, the glory of the Lord in the dawning of the light. So as the light comes and brings forth a new day, there's a glory 
that is found there, the name of the Lord God of Israel in the coastlands. From the ends of the earth, we have heard songs. You know what that means? From the ends of the earth, we've heard songs, and they're singing glory to the righteous. Do you know what that means? That from the ends of the earth, in this city, there has been a people called the body of Christ. There's been a church called the body of Christ. And the glory of the Lord has been revealed to them. They have seen the glory of the Lord. And in that place of seeing the truths of the eternal, songs have been written. And it's not songs by sitting in a room trying to get a trendy melody, trying to come up with a cool song. No, it is in this place of what we've been doing this weekend, beholding. And in the beholding of the knowledge of God, the breaths of God, the mysteries of God, glory has been given to the body. And in that place of seeing the beauty of God, we have written songs describing who he is back to him and instructing the nations on the knowledge we have found. That's what that means. That in Tauranga, I butcher the name, in this beautiful city, the body of Christ, the church, the Holy Spirit has come and he has pulled back the veil we, Paul tells the church at Corinth, kings long to see into the mysteries, but it's hidden from them. But to those who believe, the mysteries have been unveiled. The Holy Spirit searches the deep things of God to reveal them to the believer. And the, the glory of Lord has been made known. I want to put, I just want to, that to settle again on some of your hearts. There's something about this city. God loves nations, every nation. God loves cities, the land, the people. And I just truly believe there's certain aspects of the knowledge of who he is he gives to the people of Fiji. He gives to the people of New Zealand. And in that unveiling, there's a stirring and the truths of him come forth from the people. There's an agreement in this city with what is being revealed in heaven. We have seen him, and now we want to sing back to him. I believe that that is what rests on the church in the city. I'm going to hit a couple of different themes, and we're going to come back to that beholding of God. I want to hit the, the, the topic of unity a little bit. There's two portions of Scripture we're going to look at. First is Psalm 133, verse 1. Behold, how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. It is like precious oil upon the head, running down on the beard, the beard of Aaron. I think it's very important to recognize 
whose beard is being highlighted. It is Aaron, the Levite. Aaron, who was called to minister to God. And so in the place of unity, you see it being flushed out on the priesthood that ministers to the Lord. Running down on the, on the edge of his garments, it is like the dew of Hermon descending upon the mountains of Zion. This, this, this anointing, it actually covers everything. And for there, the Lord commanded the blessing, life forevermore. So it is in this place of unity that there's a blessing. It's in this place of coming together, and I'm going to define what I mean by that in a moment. It is in that place of unity that there is a grace, a blessing that covers everything. With that in mind, now let's jump to another portion of Scripture, John chapter 17. I told you I'm going to be doing some gymnastics tonight with where I'm trying to take you, so please just track with me, okay? Psalm 133, now, John chapter 17. I just, I'm trying to highlight some truths to you throughout this little uh, conversation we're going to have. John chapter 17. This is, if you're bored and you've got 20 minutes, slowly read this chapter. It is the chapter of God the Son talking to God the Father. It's his prayer. And check this out. He prays for you. Verse 20. I do not pray for these alone, speaking of his disciples in that moment, but also for those who will believe in me through their word, you. He's praying for you. And the amazing truth is not he did not only pray here, he is now at the right hand of the Father interceding for what is happening in this room tonight. He prays for us, verse 21, that they all may be one. As you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be one in us that the world may believe that you sent me. So basically, he's saying in that last phrase that the world may know that you sent me. For them to be unified, it is going to be a sign and a wonder. And it is not a unity based on an event or a project. That's not what this is talking about. I've been in many meetings where they've called the leadership together to come together for an event or a gathering. That is not what this is. That is not what is in Psalm 133. It's actually much more beautiful than that. It is a unity based around how the Father and the Son interact. And if you've been in any of our gatherings this week, you know that the foundation of the relationship between God the Father and God the Son is their divine love between one another. For the Father breaks in twice in the created order and says, my beloved Son. That is in the heart of the Father. And he goes, I am, the Father are in me and I in you, that they may also be one in us. This is a unity that is based in divine love between God the Father and God the Son. 
And then that is the invitation that we will be unified. And here's what unity looks like. I love that church down the road. I love the church up on the hill. This unity, I believe, that we're going to walk into, it is based in love for the entire body in this city. And it is a love that causes me to serve the church down the road. Nothing around an event or a gathering. That is fun, we can do that stuff, but that is not what is in the heart of the Father. That is not what is in Jesus' heart when he prayed to the Father. There is this place of agreement on who God is and a love for one another that we serve one another. Tribalism between the church needs to fall away. We need to get rid of this. When God looks at this city, he looks at the body and he goes, my church. I've given you that expression of who I am. I've given you this expression of who I am. You minister in the inner parts of the city. You minister to the community that is a little bit more affluent. You, you serve in the nations. I mean, the, the description of the color is very, very different. But when he looks at this city, he does not look at the denominations. He does not look at the building sizes. He looks and he says, my church. And the unity that we're going to walk into in the body of Christ, it is based on who he is and how we've been transformed and thus how we love the body. And there's something I think the Lord wants to invite this city into. This is not the first time. I want to encourage you. This has been a vision I know in the past. I know it's been the heart of the leadership. And I want to encourage you. I still think this invitation is at the feet of the church in this city. And it has nothing to do, I want to emphasize this with events. It has nothing to do with that type of activity, what, we're, what you're being invited into. It is in that place of love for one another. And that works it out in service to one another. And when you guys touch that, that is real and that is genuine, there's something that will happen in the heart of God. And the goal is not revival, though. The goal is not a new mission movement. It, the goal is that you would look like Christ. And this city will go, God is amongst them. Look how they love one another. That's what Jesus is praying. There's a love that I have for my brother. Theologically, we're maybe not on the same page, but you've bowed your knee to Jesus. Your faith is in him. I am now your brother. And I choose to love you even though we're different. It is a love that is based in we have been loved, and so we're commanded to love. Breaking down the crazy tribal. My gosh, guys, COVID destroyed the body of Christ. You take the jab, you don't take the jab. Come on. Jesus died a death to save a people that will love him and that will love one another. That's what the body of Christ is. I'm speaking of the nation I'm living in right now. We're a mess. We like our politics more than we love our brother who's across the street, who's of my eternal family. 
and I'm being awakened and stirred to step out of that goofy conversation and get in touch with the heart of the Son of God, with the heart of the one who's building his church, and to love him and to love my neighbor more than I love my politics, to being justified in my opinions. My opinions will profit me nothing when I stand before him. He'll ask me, Dwayne, did you love your enemy? Dwayne, did you love the Baptists when they don't agree with your theology? The invitation of unity is based in Jesus and beholding him. And when we go there, I think something profound happens. They look like Jesus. Let's keep reading. Verse 21, just reading again, that they may be one as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be one in us, that the world may believe that you sent me. Next verse, look at this. And the glory which you gave me, I have given them, that they may be one just as we are one. So Jesus is praying, Father, what you have given me, the glory, my nature, it has been given to me by you, the tenderness that I've walked in. I've revealed who we are to them. And in them understanding who I am, experiencing my patience, experiencing my, my unconditional love for them, what will take place is they will become into agreement with one another on who we are. And the fruit, the outworking of that is they will love one another. There will be a unity as the revelation of Christ touches the heart of the church in a city and in a region. I want them to behold me. Verse 23, I and them, you and me, that they may be made perfect in one. That word perfect it shows up several different places and several times throughout the, the Gospels and throughout Paul's writings. And it is not a perfection, a sinlessness. It's actually there will be a completed work amongst them. There will be a completed work amongst them where they will have rich love and a, a desire to serve one another. And the world may know that you have sent me and have loved them as you have loved me. Father, I desire that they also whom you gave me would be with me where I am, that they may behold my glory which you have given me. For you have loved me before the foundation of the world. O righteous Father, the world has known you, but I, excuse me, O righteous Father, the world has not known you, but I have known you, and these have known you that you've sent me. And I have declared to them your name and will declare it, that the love with which you have loved me may be in them and I in them. This whole last part of the prayer is summed up in this. Father, display the wonders of the Trinity and the impact of the unveiling, the wonders, you and I being made known, they're beholding our glory. They will see the love between the Trinity. They will behold the mysteries, and it will produce a beholding and a love 
within them. A love for us and a love for one another. The unveiling, that glory that comes. I'm telling you, Isaiah, the glory at the ends of the earth, as it comes, it produces a transformation where we become united around the unveiling of God. The mysteries of God, the revelation, tribalism falls away, and deep, rich love for God and for one another takes root. Unity around beholding God. New topic. Ready? Prayer. Three different places we have it recorded. I want to highlight Mark 11, verse 15. So they came to Jerusalem. This is G then Jesus went into the temple and began to drive out those who bought and sold in the temple, overturned the tables of the money changers and the seats of those who sold doves. And he would not allow anyone to carry wares into the temple. So this is a, this is a time where we see the righteous anger. And, and it kind of is like took, takes maybe some time to like figure out exactly what Jesus is doing. The way that I kind of paraphrase that is he looks at the condition of the worship in the temple, the commitment to the knowledge of God, and it's a mess. Instead of having the revelation of God, they've replaced it with making money, and it makes him angry, and he overturns, he throws them out, and here's what he says. Then he taught, saying, it is not it, is it not written my house shall be called a house of prayer for all nations. My house shall be called a house of prayer for all nations, but you have made it a den of thieves. Man, the body of Christ is trying to peer into that phrase. Happened, I think, about 23, 24, 25 years ago the Holy Spirit began to highlight this phrase. In many places around the earth, 1999, 2000, different leaders began to speak and pursue, what does this verse mean? We've got some buildings around the earth where we're putting singers, musicians, worshipers, prayers and intercession. The last 23, 24 years has been incredible to see every nation grappling with this verse. It's powerful, it's beautiful. Everywhere, there's a wrestling. What does it mean? Let us peer into this, let us touch. What does it mean to step into a house of prayer for all nations? I wanna emphasize tonight, for all nations. What, is, what does this mean? Right now, there's prayer rooms all over the earth. I think it's powerful. And what a visual picture I have is that in the place of prayer, there's the hard, fallow ground that's being broke up. And it's not a laborsome posture, it's a beholding posture. It is the glory of God. And as we're in, as we're worship-based prayer, it's in that place, I think there's fallow ground, the ground is being broken. Day and night, night and day, around the earth, the body of Christ is pressing in, teach us how to pray. But if we really, one way of looking at this, 
my house. Let me ask you, where's God dwell today? This is where it's going. The entire body of Christ will be fascinated, will be worshiped, will be love-based prayer from the heart. That's where this is going. Young and old will find God and that cry, that worship is gonna come forth. I believe it's gonna be literally in the closet. I believe also it is literally going to be in corporate prayer meetings all around the earth. And I think it's just beginning to bubble. We've been 20 years into this journey and I'm saying we've just begun to be captured by God, to respond with the grace, to respond and to grow in that place of prayer. Oh, that place of glory, of looking upon God. Guys, I've been in hundreds of hours of boring prayer meetings. I want to encourage you. Oh my goodness, when will this end? But I've also been in hundreds of prayer meetings. Oh, you're amazing. I love you. Oh, I now understand, beginning to scratch the surface, there's a reason the four living creatures never look away. There's a reason they never rest. There's an eternal majesty that continues to unveil. Show me who you are. I'm telling you, this is going to begin, it's going to grow. It's going to grow. The house of prayer, the people of God, you growing with the spirit of revelation and opening up the mysteries, being fed on the knowledge of God. And in that place, the cry is, give us more of the Holy Spirit. We're in a very interesting time in history. Depends who you talk to, but we're getting to the place. It's reachable where every tribe, tongue, and language will have heard the, the gospel. And I don't personally believe that is the fullness of Matthew chapter 24, but it's the incredible beginning that when the gospel, the word of God is translated and the word of God is preached and spoken to every tribe, tongue, and language, I think something significant, a new move of the Spirit is going to sweep the earth. And it is going to come because we've understood worship and we've understood intercession. Father, I'm asking you, John 11, John 18, Luke, excuse me, Luke 11, Luke 18, Father, I'm asking you for more of the Holy Spirit. I'm asking you for more of the spirit within the nations as the gospel of Christ is proclaimed. It's that place of worship and it's that place of prayer. I'm, I'm telling you, we're reaching for something where the globe is in transition. COVID was a bump and I'm telling you, things are shifting. The church is shifting. Jesus is fighting for us. He's more committed to bringing forth a beautiful church than any of us are. He's building his church. And I feel it. There's a shift happening in the earth. 
And I'm telling you, a significant part of this change is the revealing of who he is and our responding as a people who know God in the place of prayer. Big jump, big shift, Revelation chapter 5. <laughs> Guys, I'm trying here. Revelation chapter 4, we looked at it on Friday night. John, he's on the island, he's an open door, and he steps into eternity. It's powerful. And John, he sees the throne room. I just want to I just want to encourage you today. The God who was, the God that John saw in Revelation chapter 4, the God who was, he is the God who is. So as we're looking now, talking, hanging out here tonight, the God who was is the God who is. Just, just, oh, just allow that, just Holy Spirit, show us what's happening even in eternity. I'm telling you, the four living creatures, they're looking on him who's seated on his throne. There's a sea of glass. We know there's fire in it. There's a million angels right now looking on him. They're singing holy, 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 transcendent. There's no one like you're totally other than, and we agree, you are the purest of the pure. Thunderings and lightnings coming forth from the throne. And look at this, verse one. We're transitioning out of, of, of the song that they're singing to the Father. And he says, John, I saw in the right hand of him who sat on the throne a scroll written inside and on the back, sealed with seven seals. Then I saw a strong angel proclaiming with a loud voice, who is worthy to open the scroll and to loose its seals? And no one in heaven or on the earth or under the earth was able to open the scroll or to look at it. The scroll, it will be leading the nations. Who can we trust? To, to release the judgments of God, the perfect judgments of God. There's no one that we can trust under the earth, on the earth, or in the heavens. That's what John is seeing. He's feeling it. Verse four, look what he did. He wept much. Who will lead us into redemption? Who will rid the earth of sin? Who will reverse the curse that came in at the garden? because no one was found worthy to open the scroll and to read it or to look at it. But one of the elders said to me, do not weep. Behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of Jesse, he has prevailed. Come on. He has prevailed to open the scroll and to loose its seals. And I looked I love this. And behold, in the midst of the throne of the four living creatures, in the midst of the elders, stood a lamb. As though it had been slain, having seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God, sent out into all the earth. 
I'm telling you, there's one. There's one that we can trust. He's the slain lamb of God. He's perfect in his leadership. I'm telling you, the unveiling of Jesus is beautiful. There's one who has been found worthy. We can give to him all power, all authority, and in him we can have trust that he will bring forth peace in the earth. There's one that has been found worthy. Then he came, took the scroll out of the right hand of him who sat on the throne. Trust me, I'm going somewhere. Verse eight, now when he had taken the scroll, the four living creatures, 24 elders, fell down before the lamb. So there's a response. When the father gives the scroll to the lamb, all of heaven responds. The 24 elders fell down before the lamb. So far, the whole thing has been focused on the father. And now the lamb and these 24 elders, each having harp and golden bowl full of incense, and this golden bowl, which are the prayers of the saints. So in this very dramatic shift within history, this, this shifting of leadership, this God the Father giving authority fully to God the Son, there's a participation on the earth. The saints were the house of prayer. And we are involved in this heavenly scene. The body of Christ, the saints within the earth, they are standing in agreement. There's one who is found worthy. And he's the one that died my death. He is the slain lamb. He's the sacrificial lamb who knew no sin. He's the trusted one who we can give to leadership of the earth. We agree on earth. We agree with your decision, Father. He's the worthy one. The unveiling of Christ has produced prayer within us. And we agree with what is taking place in earth. Verse nine, you guys ready? and they sang a new song. What did Isaiah sing? There will be singing from the ends of the earth. The response on the earth is, we agree and songs will come forth. You are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals for you were slain and have what redeemed us to God by your blood. And out of every tribe, tongue, people, and nation. There's an unveiling of Jesus. The revelation of who he is. The, the beholding. The body of Christ. The veil being torn back. The eyes of our hearts. That John 3, the eye salve has come. We've stepped out of compromise. The, be the beauty of who he is, and we begin to sing a new song. Jesus, you are the only worthy one. We trust you, and I'm asking in this city, let that song come forth. And the power of what happens is, redemption will touch every tribe, every tongue, every people, and every language. 
The work of the cross will touch the nations. And out of every nation, the Son of God will have an inheritance and a people. And songs will be sung about the redeeming power of this Lamb who now can be trusted with leadership in the earth. Oh, the plan of redemption, it's beautiful that the people the blood of Jesus purchased now stand and praying and worshiping to a God they can't see. Oh, we agree, for you have transformed my life. And I now stand here looking back at you. I agree, worthy is the lamb, I can trust you. It's the power of the transforming gospel. And what does it do? It produces that love. It produces that cry, Jesus, come back in the tribes and nations and peoples of the earth. The dwelling, the communing of God, there's an agreement. I don't think that this is a new message to the church of this city. But my heart tonight is to encourage and to re maybe give some of you a renewed vision. A renewed vision to find the glory of God in the place of prayer and worship. And that the church in the center and that the church on the outskirts of the city, the body of Christ would hear the call to step into the place of prayer and worship. I'm not saying join furnace. I know sanctuary have been plowing grounds. I'm saying the body of Christ in the city, in your churches, stepping engaging with worship and prayer. Oh, that beholding, that worshiping of the Lord. And then on one Wednesday night, you all shut down your prayer room and walk down the road and fill the church down the corner with worship. I'm not calling you to take all of your resources and unify them around two prayer rooms. That's not what this is about. It is an agreement in unity that Jesus is the worthy one. It is the body of Christ agreeing on the beauty of who he is. And it's the body of Christ becoming the house of prayer. And it is that love for him where now I love the church on the corner and the church on the hill. And we, the body of Christ, are beholding him. And in that we're being transformed. And our love for all the body is growing and maturing. Man, there's, you guys are like every other church in every other city. There's bruises there's a history. Oh, that church and this church, man, it's real. But I'm saying there's something more powerful when we get back, when we can move past those places of pain. When we can move past those, those hurts, where we can genuinely say, I forgive you. Oh, you're my brother. Oh, you're my sister. Let us go together to the house of the Lord. Let us become a people of prayer in this city. Oh, let us behold his glory. And in that place, having rich love, rich service for one another. And in that, I believe there's a blessing that will come to this city. And the purposes 
of God for this city will take place. And I'm telling you, I understand. There's bruised, we're tired. The body of Christ in some ways might even feel scattered right now because of COVID. There's maybe some disagreements on all sorts of things. But I'm telling you, oh, what will bring us together? He's worthy. What will bring us together? Thank you for your broken body. Thank you for your blood that was shed. Holy Spirit, answer the prayer of Jesus in John 17 and manifest the Father and the Son to the church in this city. I'm asking, manifest, open up, unveil, reveal God to this city. And as the body of Christ, in your families, in your churches, step in, press in, minister to the Lord, I think there can be a refreshing, a healing, a restoring, life coming back into your lungs. We've been beat up. We've been bruised. And I think it's okay to recognize that. Man, you hurt me. That's okay. Have those conversations over the cup of coffee. But I'm telling you, let us gather. Let us seek him. Let us worship. Let invite him to come and heal, restore, and reveal who he is. And I'm telling you, life will come back. Oh, a refreshing will come back. Man, pastors, it was brutal. Man, it was brutal on me. Oh, I hated it. But I'm telling you, it is in that place of beholding that life comes, that refreshing comes. Let's have the worship come up.